Well, praise the Lord. It's great to see you this morning. I uh, appreciate Brother Case preaching the early service this morning and uh, Brother Nathan preaching at Mason Creek. And I'm going to try to get through this today uh, with my voice. But uh, there's nothing a preacher misses more than his voice. Amen? Uh, well, maybe his wife. On a... <laughs> we could go there. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. So we think about this morning Joseph's story. We've been in a series on the hope. The hope is not in the future. The hope is right now. Jesus is here now. Uh, we're, we're able to experience the presence of God right now. Uh, we don't have to wait for the future. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. If you would stand, please, in honor of God's holy inspired in air and all sufficient word. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall call his name Emmanuel, bring forth the son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed by the music, Lord, as we look at your scripture and we think about this time of the year, we're so blessed. We're, we're blessed to be called your children. And I pray today, maybe there's somebody here that's not one of your children. God, before they leave today, would you speak to their heart? Nothing man can do to bring them to you. It has to be done through the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, unless you come down and move, everything we've done is just humanity and just in vain lord we need you we need you now more than we've ever needed you before in jesus name amen thank you you may be seated joseph uh, gets left out of christmas a whole lot it's almost kind of like he gets lost in the shuffle it's kind of like men at a wedding you know men uh, just kind of stand around at a wedding uh, the news reporters talk about the flowers that the men have in their, that the ladies have in their hair, but they never mention the flowers the men have in their hair. Uh, a man could be barefooted, standing there at the wedding, and be just fine. He's out of, out of sight, out of mind. No problem whatsoever. Uh, Joseph is like that. He just kind of falls through the cracks of the story. But he's a vital part of the Christmas story. There's not one recorded word we have from Joseph. Nowhere in the Bible does Joseph ever say a word. Uh, and 
he, he is, I guess you could call him a man of few words because he definitely doesn't say anything. So I want to just give you three things here quickly this morning. Number one, Joseph's got a dilemma. It's a big dilemma. Probably both of these were young. Uh, they were betrothed. That was a solemn promise in marriage. Much more serious than the, today's uh, engagement. Their marriage would probably have been arranged by their parents, which um, I don't know. That could be good and it could be bad. Uh, I, 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 we came out all right on our side of the family, uh, but uh, I've seen some would have been a lot better if parents had arranged them. Uh, but anyway, that's the way it was here. And for the first year, they would continue to live separately. That would give the man time to build a home and to get everything ready. But they would not engage in any sexual relations. It was binding legally, religiously as present-day marriage. Legally, they were regarded as husband and wife. One of the main purposes was to prove the unity of the, of the bride. If she came up pregnant during this time, you'd say, well, she's not very unified with her husband. And uh, uh, that's exactly, she was found with child by the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what that could have been like. I don't know. Uh, it would have been a difficult situation, any way you want to put it. Joseph has a problem. He finds himself in a dilemma between his convictions and his compassion. And that's usually where dilemmas occur. He was a man of faith. He trusted the Lord. He lived righteously. He was a righteous man, a just man, an upright man. He kept the law faithfully. And because of his righteous and moral standards, he knew that he should not go through with this marriage. That's just, I mean, that's just common sense. He should not go through with this marriage. He knew that. He assumed that Mary had been sleeping around. So did everybody else in town. I want to tell you, younger people, you need strong moral convictions. Our young people in school, in high school, junior high, we're talking junior high, we're talking middle school, you need to rely on the Word of God as your direction, not the standards of this world. The standards of this world will take you down a back road and will end up in destruction in your life. The Lord doesn't want that. Your parents don't want that. This church doesn't want that. Stand, he had strong moral convictions. In your dating life, you ought to have strong moral convictions. And that doesn't just go for young people. My soul, how many women have I seen or men that got out of a terrible marriage and got back into one just as bad? Huh? I mean, come on. There ought to be some moral convictions there. There ought to be some spiritual insight there. You need to be careful who you socialize with. You say, now, preacher, I thought we were supposed to try to win everybody to the Lord. Yeah, you go to that beer party, just go in there witnessing for Jesus. You, you go ahead and help yourself to that overnight uh, party and everything, but just you're there to witness for Jesus. See how long that lasts for you. The moral convictions need to come back into our lives, and it needs to start in senior adult lives and, and flow all the way down. You need to be concerned with how you dress. How you dress 
determines how people react to you. It's like a first impression. I won't even stay there. I'll just let that go, okay? It's Christmas. We'll be nice. There ought to be a little bit of convictions about us, amen? And then secondly, he's got a dilemma between his convictions because he's moral and he's spiritual, but he also has compassion. He, he loves Mary, and, and there's compassion. Now, the Word of God is not shady on what to do. The Word of God says in Deuteronomy, uh, uh, I can't remember what chapter it is, but he said, if a damsel that's a virgin be betrothed unto a husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then she shall bring them both out of the gate, him and her, and shall stone them with stones that they uh, would be the damsel and the man because she cried not being in the city, and the man because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife, so thou shalt put away evil from among you. The law is clear. You take them outside the gates of the city and you stone them to death. That would probably deter some of the things that we've got going on. That would probably deter it. I mean, you may have to stone two or three. Because some people are just hard-headed, you know. But, 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 but about that third one, somebody said, look at here. Man, this ain't worth this. No. Legally, Mary should have been stoned. But there's a tension here because Joseph finds himself in a dilemma. What's he going to do? Is he going to put her away? Is he going to disgrace her publicly? Is he going to break off the engagement? What, what, what's he going to do? I was reading several years ago, Dear Abby, what a wonderful, uh, tremendous philosopher she is. The people who write her are pretty good, too, <laughs> if you've ever written her. She said, Dear Abby, I've been going with this man for some time now. Just before our wedding, I've discovered he has a wooden leg. Do you think I should break it off? <laughs> Only in America. You wonder what must have been going through Joseph's mind. What do I do? What do I do? But there's an application. There's a lot of dilemmas in our lives and a lot of problems that we just don't have the answer for. For times we don't know what to do. On the day of Wolfman's funeral, Dr. Mac Brunson and I were speaking, and he, told, he wrote this to me. He said, Charles, everyone will face a period of crisis. Not a moment, not a day, but a period of crisis the time is undecided the length is unknown the depth is untold but there will be a period of crisis and in that crisis you remember this God is for you God is for you <laughs> I want to tell you whatever you're going through right now God's for you he wants the very best for your life I love uh, uh, it's a wonderful life with George Bailey he comes to the end of his rope. He thinks he's going to jail. There's no way out. He's at the end of his rope. Do you know when you get to the end of your rope, that's when God can work the best? When you, when you throw it in and you say, I can't do anything else. I'm at the end of my rope. 
That's when God can work. That's when God wants to work. So Joseph's got a dilemma, but bless God, Joseph got a dream. He got a dream. He, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. He's thinking on this, and the angel comes in, in in a dream. And I love the message that the angel gives to Joseph. He says, first of all, fear not. Fear not. Don't worry. I'm all over this. Just be patient. Don't fear. We live in a world of fear today. People are fearing uh, terrorism. People are fearing coronavirus. They're afraid of air travel. They're afraid of cancer. We're afraid of being fat. One of the happiest things of my life is to sit down <laughs> at a buffet. We're afraid. We're afraid of the economy, what's going to happen. We're afraid of the future. And God is saying to each one of us today, fear not. Hey, I'm all over this. I've got this under control. Be patient and don't fear. It's one of the most fear-compelling messages of all times. He's giving the message preached by an angel. Fear not. Fear not. Now, the first point is his virgin birth. From Joseph's point of view, Mary had been unfaithful because she had betrayed him. But the angel makes it clear it's a miracle birth. It's a miracle. Now, let me ask you, if the angel came to you and said, hey, it's a miracle, what do you do? Huh? You're, you're faced with what you know has to be right. And yet at the same time, supernaturally, God has come to you in a dream. So it's a virgin birth. The virgin birth is essential. When you hear people say the virgin birth doesn't make that much difference, it makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference. If she would have had a human partner, sin would have been in that baby, just like in us. But the Holy Ghost was there, and she, he did not have sin. He was sinless and is sinless. He's the ancient of days, stepping down from heaven into time. The first baby on earth that existed before his birth. The birth of Jesus wasn't the beginning of Jesus. Jesus existed before his birth. It's essential what he came to do. He could not have died for our sins if he was not sinless. It would not satisfy the wrath of God if he were not sinless. The Christian rises and falls on the doctrine of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. To deny the virgin birth is to deny Jesus. I know you say, well, it doesn't make any sense. Listen, God knows everything. If you'll just trust him, I had a preacher many years ago just say, if you just get the first words of the Bible, in the beginning God, and just leave it alone. God can do anything he wants to do. In the beginning, God, and he literally can do anything. His second thing is his saving mission. Verse 21, he gives us the first of two names for Christ. The name of Jesus, that's his common name, his human name. Jesus means Savior. The first message of Christian of Christmas is not about our goodness. It's not about our badness. Uh, so to speak people are sinners and they needed a savior and Jesus Christ is the savior so Christmas 
doesn't come saying, hey, everybody's good. Christmas comes saying, hey, we're all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, my grandmother, she lived above sin. There's only one way to live above sin, and that's to rent an apartment over a honky-tonk. That's the only way you can live above sin. Outside of that, you're not going to live above sin. He comes to save us from our sin. Don't shake that head, Keith. He comes to save us from our sins. Isn't that exciting? I mean, can you think of the alternative? What it would be if Jesus had not been here? And then thirdly, he's got a prophetic connection here. Verse 22 says that it might be fulfilled to help us identify the Savior. God had his prophets define him. Now listen, in 322 ways, hundreds of years before Jesus came. That, that sounds pretty secure, doesn't it? 322 ways the prophets defined the Savior hundreds of years before he was ever born. The odds of prophecies written hundreds of years in advance coming true in life, I'm going to just read this because I don't have sense enough to say it out loud. 8.4 to 10 to the 99th power. That's 1 billion, 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 billion. That's pretty good odds. That's pretty good odds. And then his incarnation, verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth, uh, and, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The second name given to Jesus is Emmanuel. Uh, this is not really a name as much as it is a title, but he is God, and God has come to dwell among us. Christmas means that God has come to us. Squire Parsons had an old song, He Came to Me. When I couldn't go to him, he came to me. And that's what Christmas is all about. He came to us here on this earth. It means he's come down to us. Emmanuel means that God is with us. He's with us through the good times. He's with us through the bad times. He's walked in our shoes. He's, it's what Christmas is all about. The glorious thing about Christmas I don't know, some of y'all may, may have been so long ago you don't remember it. But you kind of got a hankering for your wife looking at her, you know. I'm thinking, I, I might like to, get, to date her. I might like to go with her. I got a little hankering for her. And a, a little, you know. And, and you begin to kind of want to get a little bit closer to her. And you were scared. You were scared to ask her out. So probably some of you ladies said uh, to your girlfriends, go see if he likes me. <laughs> you know, all of that is to do one thing, to get you and him closer. Listen to me today. Jesus comes at Christmas to draw us closer. He don't want to be at arm's length with you today. He wants to draw you close to him. He wants to comfort you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to save you, first of all. And that means that you and I, as the body of Christ, we represent him. 
You're representing Jesus to the world today. You say, well, I'm not going to be a witness. I don't do that. Whoever, whoever said, uh, if you got one of them bumper stickers that say, witness, and if, if, if at all costs, say something. Take a knife and scrape that off your car. You got to believe the word of God. You can't be saved just by somebody's actions. Nobody can be saved by your actions. You've got to understand that the word of God, Jesus came, and men were separated from God, and he died on Calvary to bridge that separation. And if we repent of our sin and say, we're sorry, Lord Jesus, you come into my heart, my life, my soul, everything, then thou shalt be saved. But I tell you, if you're thinking that you're just going to walk down the aisle and sign a card, you're going to be as lost when you leave as you did when you came. We're representatives. We're ambassadors for Christ. How are you representing him? And then Joseph's decision here. The Bible says in verse 24 and 25, Joseph being raised from the sleep, he argued with the angel. No. No. How many, how many times have we argued with God? No good and well what God wants us to do. We spend our time arguing with him. Saying, now, Lord, if I did that, this might happen. The Bible says that Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord told him to do. There's no argument. He took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and they called his name Jesus. He decided to follow God's direction. Follow God's direction. Guys, that's all I would ask of you today. Don't follow some preacher. Don't follow no denomination. Don't, don't follow the television. Don't, don't do that. Could I just ask you to seek out the will of God for your life and follow him? It's not rocket scientists. It's real simple. God, in every one of us, there's a void. And, and you can put anything you want to in that void, and it's not going to ever be complete. Because God created that void. And God created that void so that he could come in and live with you, and you live with him. Joseph decided he'd be faithful to the will of God. God chose Joseph for a special task like few men have ever been given the decision he's going to endure the hostile stares and the continual critics going on down at the city square he's going to have to put up with the giggling and the gossiping and the finger pointing behind his back everybody's going to think something had been going on they're not going to believe the truth of the matter you know what all that means that means that following God's not going to be easy Listen to me this morning, folks. Following God is not easy. Being saved is easy. It's set up for you. It's set up. If you come to him, humble yourself, and admit you're a sinner, and you invite him into your life and heart, you'll be saved. You, salvation can, it can be simple. It costs Jesus everything, but it's free to you. But living for Christ is a byproduct of that salvation. We don't live for him and do things so that we can be saved. We live for him and serve him because we are saved. Following God's not going to be easy. In fact, you know, we know what happened. He's got to flee Egypt here. 
He's going to have to live, I mean, flee to Egypt. He's going to have to live down in Egypt for a number of years. Why? Because of his decision to follow God. Mm. But it's going to be a blessing. Can you imagine the blessing of raising the Son of God? My goodness. I guess this morning the question is, will you decide to follow God's will for your life? Would you take Joseph's example to a heart and be a person of conviction but also of compassion? It's what our world needs today. We, we can't, listen, folks, we can't wrap our arms around society and tell them that, hey, you come on like you are, we agree with, we'll just let you do what you want to do. We can't do that. This is a holy place of God. This is a place where God dwells. We've got to have convictions. But at the same time, we must have compassion. We've got to remember that these people have been blinded by the God of this world. Satan has blinded them. And we were the same way before somebody told us about Jesus. Would you accept Christ this morning as your Lord and Savior? In the next few moments, we're going to have an invitation. There's a lot of important things happening at Christmas. Families get together. Presents are passed back and forth. Many people play the game. You end up Bring in a nice gift and go home with a dunk, you know. <laughs> you, you know, you, you, you have a lot of things going on at Christmas. But I want to tell you, listen to me. There's nothing more important than your relationship to Jesus Christ at Christmas. That's the number one thing. You're, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. If you've not had an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, it is the will of God that that happened today in your life. I'm not telling you based on my advice. I'm telling you based on the Word of God. It's His will none perish, but all come to life. It is His will. He created heaven for every one of us. And it's His desire that we go there. Men may seem unimportant at a wedding but you can't have a wedding without them now you say now wait a minute we have same-sex marriage no you don't there's no such thing marriage god designed it and god defined it it's a man and a woman you can't have a marriage without a man and a woman and so they may seem insignificant and they may be behind the scenes but you can't have a wedding without a man. Listen to me. You can't have Christmas without Joseph. You can't have Christmas without Joseph. Father, thank you this day. Thank you, Lord, for just the power of your Holy Spirit in this place. Lord, we know it's you. <laughs> We're nothing and you're everything. When our weakest point, Lord, that's when you come through the strongest. So I ask you, Lord Jesus, please, have your way today. May the Holy Ghost of God fall fresh on this place. Those who are thinking about being saved, those who've wondered about being saved, Lord, maybe even those who've considered it and, and asked questions, Lord, may today be their day of salvation. May today be a day that people unite with this church and say, we're gonna follow Jesus. We're gonna stand on the Word of God. We're not going to stand on our emotions. We're going to stand on God's Word. 
Lord, have your way in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we have this invitation time? You, you come, please. God sent his son. They call him. Church. 
center is going to be worth your while trust me now, I'm hoping you don't go because I get the leftovers out there so you just stick it you know you know I just whatever you want to do large group connect is this afternoon tonight and uh, our children kids praise is going to be going to Arabella they're going to meet here at five or they're leaving here at five and five uh, five what at 5 o'clock. Okay, so be here at 445 if you want to get on the bus. All right? Uh, and they'll be over at Arabella, Independent Living. Uh, if, you, if some of you want to come, there's plenty of room over there. Big uh, cafeteria, very nice. and We've got a great group of good service over there, and we praise the Lord for them. And that, that will be about 515-ish or so, and they'll be singing Christmas trees. Christmas trees. What am I thinking about Christmas trees? <laughs> Hey, beginning tomorrow, or today, beginning today, $25 any tree you want. Just haul it out. I'm talking about, what's that? Who wanted three? <laughs> Help yourself. It's just an honor system. You go by, get the tree, pay for it at the church, or send it online, do whatever, okay? Uh, and then uh, next Sunday morning, now, no life groups. No 8.15 service, okay? There is a 9.30 service at Mason Creek and a 10.45 service here. And those are the only two services that we're having next week. And uh, there, it'll be a candlelight Lord's Supper service uh, in that morning. Uh, so please be here. It's going to be a great time. And then we're excited about uh, the Bible conference coming up. Man, it's, it's exciting. Uh, we've got a full schedule of all of those uh, men that are going to be here. Uh, it's going to be tremendous. You do not want to miss the first week of January, January 7th through 